thank you from our heart that you are the speaking God and your word in your recovery is still not rare. Thank you for this ministry in your recovery that has brought these precious truths to us. Even this greatest truth of all truth that today you are the life-giving spirit, the consummated triune God processed to come and indwell us. This morning, we're full of worship. We're full of praise for not only showing to us this truth, but to bring us into this experience day by day. We just pray, Lord, in these days, you will focus us. Lord, you will guide us. Lord, you will shepherd us into this reality more and more. We pray for all the saints in all the local churches. Would care for this mingle spirit. Would treasure this mingle spirit. Would mind this mingle spirit. Would walk in, in and by this mingle spirit. Lord, that you can be expressed. Then this, this uh, testimony of the mingling of God with man would really pervade your local churches. Lord, we just pray for this. Even this morning, be with us in a new way, in a fresh way. We want to serve you not in the oldness of the letter, but in the newness of spirit. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, dear saints, of course, those of you who have, were with us yesterday, um, are, should be very clear about our burden. Though some of you who are here, maybe for the first time in this conference, uh, we decided that we will cover this matter of the mingled spirit, uh, this great, great matter, and that is the divine spirit, that is the spirit of God, mingled with our human spirit, the spirit of man, to become truly a spirit, a singular spirit. Such a thing, such an entity, such a spirit never existed. There was not such a thing in this universe. God as spirit, that's eternal. No one created that. God is uh, the eternal one. He is the uh, self-existing and ever-existing one, and he is spirit by nature. And one day he created man, his top creature, and by breathing into this creature the breath of life, something very close to him, his own breath. This man became a living soul. That breath of life that was breathed into man became actually the human spirit of man. That, you may say, is the second spirit. Positively speaking, I don't count the evil spirits, the fallen angels. Man, of all creatures, is made with a spirit. Now, you should never, never dismiss that, never, never despise that. You have to actually, young people, jump up and down as I once used to do. I have a spirit. Amen. I found my human spirit. Amen. 
No, I really did that. I'm not joking. I was jumping up and down in my room, in the meetings. I was crazy. I was crazy. I discover I have a spirit. I'm not just an animal. I'm not just a beast. I'm not just a mammal. I'm not just a gorilla. I am a man. And I have a human spirit. And that is designed, that is placed in me uh, for a purpose, for a reason. And so after that, the next great thing for another spirit, actually it is not another spirit, but in another sense, it is another spirit. Even the Lord says another comforter. And that is after the Lord Jesus came to this earth, became a man, he was incarnated. He went through his human living. As we all know, he died a vicarious death for us, accomplishing redemption, that we may be redeemed and reconciled to God. He destroyed Satan and his works. He crucified on the cross the flesh, the world, the self, the old man, and all the naked things in this universe. In fact, he crushed Satan's head. You believe that? On the cross, through his all-inclusive death. But that is not the end because the Son of God cannot die. He is life itself. So he merely took a tour of Hades, and then in less than three days, he arose. Hallelujah, he arose. Amen? Amen? Jesus can never be held down by death. And so he rose from the dead, and the Father was the one who raised him from the dead. And in his resurrection, he not only broke through Hades, he not only left death behind with its keys of death and of Hades, but he also transformed, was transformed or transfigured into another spirit. It is not another spirit, but it is another spirit. You have to try to understand me. Now, the spirit of God has passed through all these processes to be consummated. You can say the triune God himself, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit has passed through this rich, this rich process that I just briefly described. And now all these processes, all these experiences are now added or compounded into the Spirit of God. The triune God did not have such experiences, did not have this, these elements, including humanity and the human living and the human experiences, the human sufferings of death and resurrection. Now he's been through all of that. And all those are compounded, just like the compound ointment in Exodus 30, into this spirit. And the Lord, in his resurrection, became the life-giving spirit 
this life-giving spirit is now that compounded spirit of God. This is now the processed spirit. This is now the cooked spirit. This is now the spirit with all these rich elements. And I forgot to mention that actually the Lord even ascended to the heavens, to the Father, before he became such a spirit and came at the night of resurrection in chapter 20 of John and amongst other things he breathed. Brother Lee used to go like this. That's a strange meeting. The Lord came, you know, according to the record of Luke. He did give a kind of a message. He spoke to them from Moses and so on and so forth testifying of himself so other things did take place but the most important thing that took place that night in this upper room where he showed up without having go through a door isn't that amazing because he was the spirit and he goes he breathed into them and said receive the holy breath or the same word in Greek, receive the Holy Spirit. I don't know what the disciples did. He breathed out. I assume they breathe in. Amen? Amen? So brothers and sisters, every time you gather with the saints, you better have your spiritual lungs ready to breathe the Spirit in. How, what good is it if he breathed out and you don't breathe in? You just like that stubborn little baby or child who refused to breathe and turning blue. And sorry, I have seen too many blue-faced saints in the meetings. And that just drives me nuts. That just makes me crazy. I said, what are you doing? The Lord is breathing out. Why don't you breathe him in? What are you doing here in the meeting? Amen? Amen? So even now, I still see a few blue faces. Come on, exercise your spirit. Amen. Exercise your spiritual lungs. Amen. He is breathing out. Amen. Okay, breathe him in. Amen. Lord Jesus! Lord Jesus! Lord Jesus! That calling... calling Calling on the name of the Lord Jesus is not some local church thing. No. Men begin to call on the name of the Lord as early as Enosh. But, but listen, that kind of calling is different from our kind of calling. They were calling merely on Jehovah. The raw and pure Jehovah. It's wonderful. That is very wonderful. And that really saved them, that uh, preserved them, that uh, strengthened them, that encouraged them for sure, the fragile man. But dear brothers and sisters, today when we call, we don't call on the Old Testament Jehovah, we call on the New Testament Jehovah, which is the word Jesus. Actually, it is not Jesus, means Jehovah our salvation. Jehovah saves. That's the meaning of the name of Jesus. 
And that was the name that what? That was given to him. And you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So today we're not calling on Jehovah. Today we're saying Jesus. This Jesus is Jehovah saves. And how can he save? By going through all those marvelous processes. So to say we say, oh Jesus. Lord Jesus. Because, because this Jesus didn't just go through these processes on the earth. He was what? He was made Lord. Because he obeyed God unto the death, he was exalted by the Father, raised to the highest point in the universe to become the ruler, the leader, the king, and the Lord. So we call him Lord Jesus. And Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And not just saved one time. Yes, we were saved one time, but calling on the name of the Lord causes us to be saved every time. Even right now, you need to be saved. Right now, you need to be saved. Sisters, right now, you all need to be saved. Save from what? Save from yourself. Save from your depression right now. Save from your blue face. That means to be saved from death or being nigh to death. You know, one thing that is worse than death is dying. I'd rather be dead than be dying. You know what I mean? It's painful. It's a suffering. And so many Christians live as a dying Christian. It doesn't have to be. And sorry, even saints in the recovery live as dying believers. What a shame. How unnecessary. Brothers and sisters, we can live. Amen. This moment. We don't need to be depressed. We don't need to be down. We don't need to be out of it. We don't need to be dead. We surely don't need to be dying. We can be alive, saved, strengthened, energized, uplifted, soaring, flying, transcending. Amen? Amen? I'm not here trying to do some whatever to stir you up. I'm not some motivation speaker to make you feel good. And calling on the name of the Lord is not some kind of self-help. This is real. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this is real. Amen. Today, this life-giving spirit, who is actually the pneumatic Christ. Now, what is the word pneumatic means? Pneumatic means what? Pneuma, from the word pneuma, again, the word spirit in Greek. And also in English, you know, pneuma means air, right? Gas, right? So you go, you, 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 something that is pneumatic, like your tire, the tire, your car full of air, it means it is full of air. 
Now this car can move. You know, you got this gleaming Ferrari or whatever, whatever. And you go there, beautiful, everything, but the four tires are flat. You're not going to drive it. You may want to sit in it and feel good. But you're not going anywhere. For sure you won't go fast anywhere. Because there's no air. Now, now you're a Ferrari. You're a son of God. That's more than a Ferrari. You're a child of God. But I go and see you. You got four flat tires. Spiritually speaking. Day in, day out. You're still a Christian. You're still a Ferrari. And year after year, I see you, you're still sitting there. And I went to Italy, and they took me to the Ferrari Museum. You know, it's a, this most famous sports car or something. <clears throat> I never seen that. That museum is like three times the hall of this, of this hall. And every single Ferrari they made, every model was there on display, etc., but what good it is that to be a flat tire Ferrari sitting in a museum. Is that what Christians is all about? No, we should get on the track and go 220 miles an hour. Amen? That's what Ferraris are for. But you need those tires pneumatized. You need air. And it's not hard to get air. That air for us Christians is the spirit. In fact, it is the same word pneuma. So we need to be pneumatized. Every day, the main crucial need of every Christian is to be pneumatized. That's, that's, that's what you need. And thank the Lord, the pneuma that we need exists. It's a special kind of gas or air. I mean, the other illustration, talk about gas, is gas, gasoline. I mean, I'm talking about this spirit of God. This spirit of God, this processed and consummated spirit of God. Which is the pneumatic Christ. That means Christ who has become spirit. You know, today, most believers, maybe even some of us, when we think about Christ, we still think about the Christ who lived 2,000 years ago. So we need to go to the movie called Jesus, or the Passion something or rather, just to, oh, this is Jesus, that's how he was. In fact, I don't think Jesus looked like that. So handsome? No, no. He was a root out of a dry ground. There's no comeliness within him. He was an ugly person. But nevertheless, you need to see the movie. You need to see these things. Oh, that's Jesus. That's how he lived. He walked. He's so nice, so kind, so good, so compassionate. Well, we do need to read the Gospels, we do need to treasure and understand and appreciate the Lord's human life because he lived such a life as a perfect God-man. 
as a model for us, as a prototype. For sure, we need to study these things. But you can read the manual all you want. But there's there's still no gas. There's still no air. Your Ferrari needs, they put these high octane, right? Is it called high octane? Even some of them put jet fuel in there, right? Or something or rather. These crazy speed cars that break world records on wheels or something like that. To power it, then you need the tires full of air with the right pressure. Then this car is ready to move. Dear brothers and sisters, that's how it is. It's that simple. Today, I tell you, the Spirit of God in its raw form is not suited for us. So God went through all that process to be the process compound gasoline. A new type of gasoline that is suitable for our Ferrari, for our car. And that gasoline is the life-giving spirit that the last Adam became. That gasoline is what? That gasoline is the pneumatic Christ. Ready, ready, processed, went through everything, ready to be put into us, ready to indwell us. This morning, getting up in the morning, I was just struck again, just struck again by just this little word, in. Now, of course, there's this word, Christ, in you. Am I right? Every time in the New Testament when we use the word in, it immediately you should think about union, mingling, incorporation, a kind of organic joining of God with man and specifically of God the Spirit with our made human spirit. Christ in you. Christ in you. If Christ is not in you, you are just a reprobate. But how is Christ in us? That's the question. You know, I serve at BFA, and we have a blog post, and I encourage all of you to go to that blog post. Don't do it right now, but do it right after the meeting. BFA.org. BFA.org. Punch. Blah. We have a beautiful website. It's mobile friendly. Punch blah and go to the blog. There's several hundred wonderful blogs. They are subscribed and visited and read by hundreds of thousands of people. Not in the recovery. We, I just recent, just, just two days ago, got a, you know, the people write in, you know, to, of the, with comments of appreciation, right? This one person wrote in, I think it's a sister, 
he so appreciated one of our blog that make the distinction or, and shows the difference between Rhema and Logos. He was, she was just like, wow, wow. That gives me the uh, belief that today, besides a few of us in the recovery, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of seeking believers who wants the truth, the deeper truth, and who wants a deeper experience. So the top, listen, the top, one of the top blogs that we have produced, you know what is it? It's Christ in you. So simple. We, we think, come on, this is like 101, yeah? you know, Christian, Christian life 101. That was a top law. And that further confirms within me that seeking to know the real inner life, to know Christ is there. And that's why BFA exists. BFA exists not first to get people into the church. BFA exists to feed all of God's hungry children and all his seeking believers. But anyway, my point is, in Christ. How is in Christ possible? How is in Christ real and experienceable? Brothers and sisters, only one way. And that's the way the Lord took. And that's why he need to be processed to go through all those things to become that particular gasoline, to become that particular kind of air, ready to be dispensed, ready to be put into his chosen people. Yes, these people need to be redeemed. They need to be saved. They need to be reconciled. They need to be made right with God. And for that reason, Christ died. But I tell you, those are just procedure. The real ultimate burden and intention is to get into man. God wants to get into man and to be mingled with man, to be one with man, to become life to man, to become everything to man. How so? By, through this process of death and resurrection. He became pneumatized. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. That life-giving spirit is the exact, exact petrol or, that's, that's English, British. Okay, gasoline. That is just right for your Ferrari. The air that is just right for those tires, those race tires, right? And so that night, he came to those disciples who represent us, represented us. And he didn't just spoke to them, you know, you know, just, no, no. He didn't even just commission them. He breathed into them. Because that's the only one thing they need, to be gassed up, to be filled with air, to be pneumatized. 
So that spirit, that process spirit, remember, not just the raw spirit, but now the process spirit with all these wonderful ingredients. That means everything a human would ever need to live God, to express Christ, to defeat the devil, to accomplish God's purpose. Everything, everything is in that gas, that breath. Can you believe it? That breath. So that is the third spirit, I call it. The first is God the spirit. The second is the human spirit. The third is the process spirit. Now, that is not the end. He said, receive the holy breath. Not very hygienic, I know. I trust the Lord didn't have a code at that time. He breathed into them the breath. Unlike Adam, just to result in a human spirit. He breathed something of him, but not himself. But this round, he breathed himself. With all the processes into the disciples. And the result, listen, of that breathing in, or rather breathing out, and that breathing in, is 1 Corinthians 6, 17. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, and now the Lord is the Spirit, right? The Lord, the Lord Jesus, is the Spirit. The Spirit. This is not the Spirit of Jehovah. This is not the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit. The second comforter that the Father promised and sent. Even the Son did the co-sending, according to John. This Spirit has come. And when He breathed into them, this Spirit, I tell you, this Spirit went straight into their human spirit, the second Spirit, right? And a wonderful more than chemical reaction took place. These two spirits unbelievably, miraculously, sovereignly got mingled to become a spirit, become one spirit. That is what I call the fourth spirit. Now today, there is 
a fourth spirit in this universe. That is the mingling of the spirit with my spirit and your spirit. In John, it says, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So that mingling was in the form of a birth begetting. We, our human spirit, representing us, are begotten by the, the spirit representing today's triune God or process triune God. And when that spirit came into us and when we received that spirit, the begetting takes place. And that begetting is a mingling of these two wonderful spirits to become an even more wonderful spirit called, we call, not in the Bible, but we call the mingled spirit. In fact, brothers and sisters, when you study certain parts or passages of the word, let's take, for example, in uh, Romans 8, which is a chapter I want to actually spend several conferences to come back to Romans 8, just to focus on Romans 8. A chapter that describes quite in detail this whole process and the effects of this process that I just mentioned. But my point is this. My point is, yes, you have these titles in this chapter like the spirit of life. You know, that's right off the bat, chapter 8. The law of the spirit of life. That means this spirit is life. That, that means life is in this spirit. This spirit is life itself, Zoe life, the divine life. And also another title, the spirit of God. Of course this is the spirit of God, the triune God. It is also called the spirit of Christ. Of course it is the spirit of Christ. Now here it does not have the title, the spirit of Jesus, but elsewhere you will find that in Paul's writing and also or rather the spirit of Jesus is found in Acts. Then in Paul's writing in the Philippians, there's the spirit of Jesus Christ. That compound noun is also right. But here in this uh, Romans 8, you also have The word spirit without a name, you know, with not without a kind of a title. And even the Bible teachers or Bible students could not make a decision whether this refer 
to the divine spirit or it refers to our human spirit. It's ambiguous. It's not clear. And according to our understanding and our study, it's ambiguous for a reason. Because today, this spirit is the fourth spirit. That means there is a mingled spirit. It's neither the divine spirit nor merely the human spirit. It is the two spirits conjoined, two spirits mingled. So today, when we say the spirit is in me, we refer to, usually in our understanding, the Holy Spirit, right? God the Spirit. How many of us would have this consciousness, the Spirit is in me, you refer to the mingled Spirit. It's no longer today just God the Spirit in us, like a package. Dwell in our spirit like a, like, like a drop of oil in water. No, that's not how the Spirit is in us. Today, the Spirit in us is in a mingled form. The Spirit is in you, mingle with your spirit in an irreversible way. That's why we say that today some Christians, especially those who are of the Pentecostal persuasion, who seek after the Spirit and the various experiences of the Spirit, apart from all the other manifestations of those things, they are still seeking something without, something apart from them to experience its power, to experience its energy, to experience its force. When actually, according to the Word of God, that Spirit has been dispensed into us and mingled with us already. You don't need to pray for the Spirit to have this Spirit. The Spirit is already in and mingle with you. Do you believe this, brothers and sisters? You, you don't need to, oh, Holy Spirit, come to me. As if you don't have the Spirit. That's wrong. That is, in fact, the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Spirit is the Spirit and man was man. And so man have to experience the Spirit, the Spirit has to come to them or drop on them, or do something, motivate them as an external force. We're not in the Old Testament. Dear saints, we're in the New Testament today. Amen. This spirit cannot be closer. This spirit cannot be dearer. This spirit today is the mingled spirit. It's not even just the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus. Yes, it is. But that spirit is now mingled in our spirit. Whatever it is doing to energize us, to save us, to give life to us, whatever to supply us, he does this in the mingled spirit. Amen. Do you follow me? Amen. 
Do you know, brothers and sisters, today your human spirit is different from just any, the spirit of any human being. They also have a spirit, right? As long as you are a human being, you have a spirit. Even if you're not a Christian, you have a spirit. That spirit is not working well. It's kind of, you know, with a yellow tape, you know, out of order. And to use a worse word, it's kind of deadened in various stages. Actually, truthfully, practically, in certain people, that spirit does function a little bit in the form of their conscience. So when you give up your conscience, that's why the word says you become a beast. You live like an animal. Today, all the moral corruption are all experienced by a purposeful suffocation of the human conscience. The killing of the human conscience. But I digress. Dear brothers and sisters, the spirit, the human spirit, is there in all men. What makes a believer different is that now this spirit is indwelt. It is not just purely my human spirit anymore. My human spirit is not purely my human spirit anymore just with those three functions. It still have those three functions. But by virtue of the spirit, the pneumatic Christ, the life-giving spirit, mingling himself with my spirit and therefore quickening my spirit, enlivening my spirit, giving birth, regenerating my spirit. Today, my spirit is different. It is a mingled spirit. And all the God-designed faculties are now enriched, strengthened, uplifted, sevenfold or however many fold. So my conscience, the conscience part of my spirit, of my mingled spirit, or my spirit, should be a lot more sensitive than just a mere human being with a conscience. My intuition, you know what I mean? My intuition, that part of the, that faculty of my spirit today should be just what? so strong and so clear concerning God, concerning the things of God. It should be that way. And the fellowship part of my spirit is now quickened so that I can be in constant fellowship with the Lord, with the triune God. My spirit, because it is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, is the place where all the riches and supply of the Spirit would come to me in my mingled spirit. Last night I talked about I need wisdom. I tell you, wisdom, that's how wisdom comes. From the Spirit 
the spirit to my spirit because they mingle together and that wisdom become mine from God. The mind of Christ comes through that to me. Not actually that miraculously. Very scientifically. And it should not be crazy, a crazy thing for a lover of the Lord who live in oneness with the Lord to have the mind of the Lord. That should not be considered a miracle. Paul says what? This is my opinion. But I think I have the spirit of the Lord. You say, is it Paul's opinion? Or is it Christ's opinion? Brother Lee once said, this is top spirituality. It's both. It's an opinion of the spirit and because Paul was so one with the Spirit, he lives and walks in the mingled Spirit all the time. That opinion penetrated into his mind. I mean, through his Spirit into his mind. So that his mind now has the mind or opinion of Christ. Do you follow me, brothers and sisters? I am trying here to describe to you the proper Christian life. The love of God. We're all short of love. I am. I need God's love. I know my love runs out. My love is natural. My love can even be selfish. I need God as my love. Where does that love come from? I may even pray, Lord, give me your love. That's a good prayer. But my question is, how does that happen? How does God give you love? How does God become your love? It's very scientific. It's not you pray and, oh, then suddenly you experience Something, something miraculous. No. If you would really live in the mingled spirit, that means you live in oneness with the Lord all the time. His love, he himself as love. I would even say not only as God above, in an unprocessed way. But I would say this love that has now the human ingredient in it, that is Jesus himself. His love on the earth with human compassion and kindness. That love that only we sinners can understand. That love is in that spirit. Oh, I would even say that love is the spirit. That spirit of love that is now 
already mingled with your spirit. One with your spirit. If you would live by that spirit, you would mind that spirit, you would live in that spirit, you would live in that wonderful, we call it organic union. That means to live in that mingled spirit. I tell you, that love is there. I have that experience. I believe many of you have that experience. Suddenly, you were able, you're able to love what you cannot love. Or I should say, who you cannot love. Suddenly, you're able to love in a pure way, without motive. And without seeking something in return. Suddenly you can love in a lasting way. In other words, that love does not run out. Is it possible? Yes. In, that, in fact, here and there, we have experienced it. Dear Brothers and sisters, I would not say the Christian life is easy. You understand, like to walk in the park. But I would say this, listen, the Christian life is possible. More than possible. Reject the thought that I am just fated or destined to live a defeated Christian life. I'm just wrong DNA, you know? Reject that. God did not go through all those processes for you to say that. To admit defeat. To say it doesn't work. To say chuck it. To all the time throw in the towel. No. No. This would actually. Bring a reproach to God. This would shame him. He said. My child. I have been through all of this. And now I have even committed myself. To dwell in you. As promised. Now I'm in you. You know, coming back to the word in. Not only I want to have conference of Romans 8, I want to have conferences of Romans, excuse me, John chapter 14. 15 and 16. He says, abide in me and I in you. That two sentences simply is a description of our living in this organic union. By living and walking by this mingle spirit. Now if this is not possible the Lord would not have said it. He would just say a few of you will do it. The rest of you sorry. Did the Lord ever say that? No the Lord just spoke generally to all of us. All of us. 
abide in me. That means it's possible. And I abide in you, of course. That is possible. You know, these days, I hope you've been reading these eight, the first eight points. Did you read it? Especially today, this morning. I mean, those four points. I love this word. This is our brother's word. That the pneumatic Christ and the life-giving spirit indwells us. And there's a point here that expressly says that the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Okay? Dwells in you. And at the end, the, the... he who raised Jesus from the Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. How? How? Even your bodies can receive this divine life. How? Through his spirit who indwells you. You see, the spirit is where it all is the source of life, of resurrection, of everything that we need in our tripartite being. Right now, your mind has a need. Your mind is kind of down, is weak. It's not clear. You need strengthening. Right now, your emotions are all over the place. It is hurt. It is not doing well. Right now, your will, there's trouble with your will. You cannot make a proper decision. You cannot have the proper judgment. This is the tripartite. And then our body is tired. It's going through some things. The word in Romans 8 is the triune God's dispensing of himself as life is for our entire tripartite being to save us from within to without eventually to the uttermost. Every part of our being can be saved and will be saved. But that is not magic. That is not just miracle. That is scientific. It is this spirit that is installed in us that who has mingled himself with our spirit. And that's why I like the word indwell. I mean, we, we need to recover this word indwell. It's sort of an old English word. You know, people don't use this, indwell. You know, this word indwell, it's more than in. Indwell means he resides. He is, he's staying. He's staying put. He is staying deep down. That's the meaning of indwell. So, This spirit is indwelling us. And of course, he dwells in us to the extent that he mingles himself with our spirit. Now I'm, all this is speaking extemporaneously. I don't know where I am on this outline. But I I better uh, come to this outline. Uh, Actually, I talk about this outline already. If you're not paying attention. He's saying, let me just ask you right now. Do you say hallelujah about this? I I mean, really, 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 brothers and sisters. Uh, 
we will be different people. Trust me, we will be a different church. We'll have a different church life. We'll have a different recovery if all the saints would see this and live in it. Really. And I would even like to say today, talk about being reduced. This is our need in the recovery. In a good sense, we don't need many other things. You say, I need to live a God-man life. I know that, but this is the way to live the God-man life. You say, I need to be an overcomer. Let me tell you, there's no other way to overcome except this way. You try to overcome without the mingled spirit, you'd, you'll be defeated. You try to cross yourself out, you try to deny yourself, you try to be faithful, you try to do this and that, it does not last. The mingled spirit is what will sustain you until the Lord's coming back. Am I right? This is all we need. I, I feel we need a coming back. Actually, not to 55, 50 years ago. That's going back. We're not going back, dear saints. We're going on. We need to advance into the experience of the mingled spirit even more than 50 years ago. How about that for a challenge? We're not going to repeat the old recovery. We're going on into a new recovery. A new day has dawned. The saints are marching on in their mingled spirit. So let's just use this very short final uh, point to finish my sharing this morning. What is the time? Huh? 11.30. Okay. Now, Roman numeral three, you read it with me. Roman 3. Isn't that simple? Isn't that simple? We should exercise our mingled spirit. So this morning again, and when I was with the Lord, the word came to me. Very, 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 I should, I should not say miraculously. That's not miraculous. I was with the Lord. So the word came. Isn't that ordinary? You should have the same experience, not just me. You should say the word, the Lord, the word of the Lord was with me this morning because I was in spirit. Normal. This should be a normal experience. Okay, so there I was, sort of in my shower this morning. The word came to me. What word? The word in Timothy. It says, do not give yourself to myths and fables, but exercise yourself unto godliness. Now, what is godliness? Godliness simply means God-likeness. And in our terminology today, it just simply means living Christ. Living. The Christian life is about living Christ. That is today's definition. I almost cannot think about a better definition for what is the Christian life. It's just to live Christ. Christian, Christ, Christ man. Christian means Christ man. Used to be a derogatory term assigned to believers. 
today is common and popular. Christ man, God man. So the Christian life is just to live Christ day after day in all things. Work, serve, be. Exercise yourself to live Christ. So my brothers and sisters, here, just hear me out. This word, exercise, some of you know, is in the Greek. It has the same root as the word for mm, gymnasium. Or what is the other noun for gymnastics? Thank you. Gymnastics. You go to the gym, right? You do all kinds of things with your body. There's a kind of gymnastics. Exercise yourself unto godliness requires spiritual gymnastics. Now, here's the part. Yes, the spirit is mingled with our spirit. All that we need is there. The triune God. Everything we need is there. But for us to access, to receive from, to be dispensed with all these divine riches, this divine being, so that we might live him. We have some cooperation to do. And that is we need to exercise. I like to tell you my personal testimony. I have been in the recovery now, stepping in the recovery on my own, exactly 50 years ago. In February 1969, I moved from Oregon, Eugene, Oregon, to Los Angeles and placed myself into the Lord's recovery. 50 years, exactly 50 years. Now 50 years have passed. I'm still here, thank the Lord for his mercy. But not only I'm just barely hanging on here, thank the Lord for his greater mercy, I'm here still alive, living. Amen? Do you agree that I'm living? Don't, don't think I'm special. This is not special. This is, I'm not some elite. Okay, I'm just an ordinary brother in the Lord's recovery. But by his mercy, this is my testimony. This is my testimony. In these 50 years, through thick and thin and every kind of thing, I was single, I was a college kid, then I got, a, got my degrees, I work, I got married, I have kids, I have two dogs. Now, 50 years later, <clears throat> today, by the Lord's mercy, okay, this is not of any kind of boast, and also, this is not exceptional. By his mercy, from the very beginning, 
I was, I received the word. I took the word subjectively that I need to exercise my mingled spirit. These 50 years, one way of telling you my 50 year story is very simple. It's 50 years of exercising my spirit. That's it, that's my story, period. That's my book, that's my biography in the church life. No, in this, in that, I know in married, human life, all the things. How did I come through? It's by my exercising the spirit. And I said already, not just come through and barely hanging on there. I let to testify to you, brothers and sisters, no need to barely hang on with your fingernails. When you can go 230 miles an hour in your Ferrari. You don't need fingernails on this Ferrari. That's dangerous. But this Ferrari needs a driver. It needs to fill in the tank. It needs to pump up the, ga uh, the, the, the tires. It needs to check the engine. Dear brothers and sisters, there's one thing that the Spirit cannot do for you, and that's to exercise. There's one thing even the triune God cannot do for us, and that is our little cooperation to exercise our mingled spirit. Listen, I didn't even say exercise your human spirit. I said exercise your mingled spirit because my human spirit and the spirit is forever mingled. If I don't exercise my spirit, the mingled spirit cannot work. Doesn't work. The Ferrari doesn't move. So brothers and sisters, it's very simple this morning, I say. We need to practice. And I, these 50 years, I learn to practice to be in my spirit. I'm not always successful, okay? I will tell you. In many moments, I was out of it, out of the spirit. I was not in my spirit. I was in my flesh even. For sure, many, many times, too much time, I live according to my soul. But no matter what, I came back by a message, by the saint's exhortation. And at the end of the day, I still have to exercise. I have to take the initiative to be one with the Lord. To say, Lord, I turn back to you again. I'm one with you again. I'm exercising myself again. So basic, so simple. But that's what I have to do. And now, cumulatively, in 50 years, with this kind of exercise, I become more fit spiritually. You know, that's why you go to the gym, right? 
I won't tell you how old I am physically. You can guess, okay, but I won't tell you. I'll just tell you I'm not young. Okay. Physical age. But I tell you, today, even every morning, even in the hotel room, I do my exercise. Probably more than some of these, these guys sitting in front. These 20-something. Did you exercise this morning? No. That exercise is not so that I become muscular or have this super physique, right? No, no. I just want to be fit. And so my eating, my diet, this and that, you try to be, you exercise. That's part of the exercise. All that exercise is to cause me physically to be in an as fit condition as possible relative to my age. I couldn't be, you know, 20 something. I am whatever. <laughs> but this whatever, I can, I still need to exercise. The day I stop, I know it, I know it, I'm going to lose it. Especially at my age. Quickly, just like that. Now, spiritually, don't think it is different. The moment you say, I'm taking a vacation, you're going to lose it. You'll come back with 10 pounds more. Dear brothers and sisters, now this does not sound very very, uh, exciting, exercise. Nobody likes to exercise, right? Am I right? Yeah, even for young people, they don't like to exercise. But exercise. Let me tell you. I won't finish if I go. Okay. I started to exercise in a more regimented way when I was almost 40. What happened? That was a time when we had our last great turmoil in the recovery. I was in Anaheim. I was in Southern California, where the eye of the storm was. And because of that turmoil, the church in Anaheim was very troubled. It did not have a normal church life. And many things of the church came to a standstill because of that. Now, you don't understand this if you've not been through that kind of a storm. Brother Lee, Witness Lee himself, Anaheim was his home church, could not come to the meetings for one year. He could not even step foot in Ball Road Meeting Hall for one year. It was that bad. So I found myself with some time in my hands. I used to be busy serving, doing this and that. I found myself with some time in my hands. Then I said, look at myself, I said, man, you're getting close to 40. You better do something. Because if you don't start to take care of your body, you know, exercise, it's going to get harder. You may never start. So around that time, I begin to start 
Number one, I started to run. Jog, run. Number two, I started to swim. <clears throat> and to this day, I still thank the Lord. I don't know whether the Lord was speaking to me, but I still thank the Lord that He afforded me that beginning, physically. All these years, I still do my best to exercise physically. Now I don't never went to the gym and do all this stuff because actually you don't need to. You can have your whole room, house filled with equipment, and you never use it, right? All you need, your body is plenty of weight. All manners of exercise you can do for cardiovascular exercise. Am I right? Strength exercise, resistance exercise. You can do all day long, and not run off of exercise to do. In these years, dear brothers and sisters, just on the physical terms, until today, that caused me still to be relatively okay. I'm not the fittest. Man on Earth at my age, I'm not. But relatively speaking, I'm very thankful that I build up that habit. Underline that word, habit. So that today, listen. How do you know you have a habit? You don't feel good if you don't do it. That's you got a habit. You may not want to do it. But you will do it. It's that's a habit. I don't want to brush my teeth or floss it. I'll just go to sleep. Habit makes me crawl out and still go and do it. <laughs> I don't like it, but I still do it. I don't know why. I just do it. Well, it's good for my teeth, right? Dear saints, I'm not going to fool you to say, "Oh, you just sit there." And and you'll be full of the spirit. You 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 you'll be one with the Lord. No, that won't happen. The enemy's work is to lull you to a certain passivity. I tell you, the killer of the Christian life is passivity. Worse yet, idleness or spiritual laziness. Yes. So the attainment of fitness is not just by prayer, or wish, or hope. Yes, we need to hope. We need to pray. But dear saints, you must give the Lord God your highest possible cooperation. And many times it's not how you feel. This millennial generation is how I feel. No, many things in life is not about how you feel; it's about what you need to do to live, to be healthy, to be proper. And the spiritual exercise no different. So, prayer, to pray, to really pray, is one such exercise. 
And in fact, it says to pray unceasingly is an exercise. You don't drift into unceasing prayer. You practice 50 years and you will come into unceasing prayer. It is possible. Even to rejoice, Paul's, Paul's word, rejoice evermore. Am I right? Let me tell you, to rejoice is not a feeling. To rejoice is an exercise. Now that's maybe news to you. So to, right now you're moping, you're morose, you're whining, okay? You're totally in your soul and in your flesh, complaining, murmuring. Okay, you just tell, tell yourself, man, stop it. I do that. I, I, I do it to myself. No one does it to me. No one dares to do that to me. You have a spirit. God is in your spirit. You don't need to do this, all right? You, you, you tell people you're a coworker. My coworkers don't mope around like this. Yeah, yeah. I turn. I got out of my negativity. By the way, brothers and sisters, don't open your mind to negative things. Don't open your mind to let all those gophers and dogs and snakes come in. I'm not suggesting positive thinking. But I would like to tell you, when you exercise your spirit, you become positive. Life is positive. Death is negative. You open yourself, your mind, your, your, your soul, spirit, your heart, your whole being to this life-giving spirit by your exercise. To rejoice. You know, one way to rejoice is what? Do you know what is one way to exercise rejoice? What do you say? I would say praise. You're moping around like this. How about stop it, man? Praise the Lord. Amen. You say, what is this? I'm not in the mood to praise. And when I praise this way, I'm performing. Okay, go ahead and perform. After some performance, it becomes real. Amen. You know, someone asks someone and say, this, people, this person prayed and received. I, I think it's fake. I think it's fake. He just wanted to get rid of you, you know? And this person says, let him fake it. After a few fakes, it will become real. I like that. Brothers, when you use your spirit to praise the Lord, when you're in miry clay, that's not performing. That's not faking anything. That's exercising the fact and joining yourself to the positive mingle spirit. So dear saints, let's go around praising the Lord. Don't, don't just pass a day by without praise. David praised the Lord seven times a day. Daniel prayed only three times. But praising should be more than prayer. Am I right? According to those numbers, for God's move seven times, praise the Lord. Tony, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You say, I have no reason. Well, God be praised. That's a reason. Praise the Lord. Amen. 
Does God deserve your praise right now? You've got a reason to praise. Praise the now, 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 our problem is just that. That's it. That's the rest of the day. I did my praise uh, for about 10 seconds in the meeting. No, brothers. We need to praise the Lord seven times, 24-7. Amen? Turn the blue face. Refuse to breathe, you know. This is a very bad child. Stubborn child who will not breathe. Just start breathing. And soon you will become pink in your complexion. And then, you're right, somebody say, sing. Sing. We don't sing enough. Amen? Amen. And I don't mean sing in the meeting. I mean sing in your daily life. Just, just sing. Just sing. Okay. <laughs> what time is it? Huh? Sorry, brothers, I took away your time, whatever. I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> Not mine. I just received this story to tell you it is possible to live this way. A brother, it's a leading brother, dear brother. I just love him, respect him. He's not a speaker, he's not. If he's here, you, you, won't, you won't notice him. He just sent me an email. He said, brother, thank you for your speaking. This is in Northern California. Because up there, I've been, in the last few years here and there, I've been speaking a lot about singing. And I said, I, I said this to them. I said, the Bible is for singing. The hymn book is for speaking. You didn't hear me wrong, okay? Let me repeat. The word is for singing. The songs are for speaking. And this is based on the word of God. Right? You know Ephesians, be filled in spirit. What? Speaking one another to one another in what? Psalms, the longest. Hymns the middle range, and the spiritual songs, the shortest. Speaking, speaking. Of course, later on in Colossians, what does it say? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Then what? Admonishing, teaching, and singing. Singing and making melody. So the word, Colossians 3, the word is for singing. Ephesians 5, the hymns and psalms and songs are for speaking. Did you get it? Am I scriptural? But practice it. So I spoke about these things. He took it to heart. He said, brother, every year I read the Bible through once. He's really a standard Christian. You know, three in one, he read the Bible. He said, this year, or a year the past year, he said, I finished the Bible by singing. He sang the Bible. Now, I don't know the tune. <laughs> he probably made it up as he, went, as, as, he, as he sang. 
I don't care. He said, this year was un- my Christian life is unbelievable. I am soaring. I am somewhere else. Now, you cannot sing the whole Bible without being changed. And this man is changed. And he's not a young little Christian. He's been around like you and I. Brothers and sisters, we need to practice to be one with the Lord by these things. Okay, the word. Sing the word. And what? Okay, now, now how about we just read this things together? Just, just read it, okay? Okay, maybe brothers and sisters alternate. Uh, sisters, please read A. Not just when you pray and moments. No, but the whole point eventually is with all these practices, we will be helped unceasingly to what? To live, to walk, to speak, to work, to serve, to do everything in this mingled spirit by habit in time. Okay, brothers, read one. To exercise the spirit is to take care of our inner man and always go along with the inner man in all things. If we do this, our spirit will be strong, living, and Brothers, this is what we need in the church life. All right? Okay, sisters, A2. Right. All matters. Amen. B. The word exercise implies forcing. If we Christians want to be strong and want to grow in the Lord, we must force ourselves to use our spirit until we build up a strong habit of exercising our spirit. Sisters, be one. Amen. Amen. Brothers, to force yourself to exercise or to use your spirit makes you a different person. Let's read together, see. We can continually exercise our spirit. Okay, so right now, I'm going to give you a minute, two by two, not pray, because sometimes a lot of blue-faced prayers don't like that. How about two by two, two or three, praise the Lord.